Happy Thursday. Happy International Day for Failure, everybody. I didn't get you anything. I know. Fail. On my part. Pete Callender here. Failing to recognize the desire for presence on International Day of Failure. Um, Newstalk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, I'm sure it's just coincidence, but uh, on this International Day for Failure, uh, I, along with Vince Coakley, will be participating in the WBT Talktoberfest live stream tonight, 8 o'clock on the Facetube or Facebook. It's a Facebook live stream, so uh, we'd love to see you. Come on over, hang out, ask some questions, participate in the uh, in the lively, maybe a tad bit rowdy discussion. In the chat box, go to WBT.com for all the details on the Talktoberfest 2022 presented by Kristen Bernard and Power Home Team, Keller Williams, South Park. Um, if you have some ideas on topics, by the way, that you would like to hear uh, discussed and participate in, feel free to shoot those over to me as well. You can do that at Pete at the PeteCallenerShow.com. That's my email. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender, uh, as well. The phone numbers for the program, as always, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. It is, I'm not kidding, it is actually International Day for Failure. So, like, I I don't think, well, maybe, but I'm not sure. I don't think that they want you to go out and attempt to fail on purpose. Because it is called National Day for Failure. So if you've been waiting to fail at something, I think today is the day you do it, right? So this way, I don't know if there's a national day or international day for success where you try to do things that you're successful in. But, um, I mean, I, okay, I, I'm mocking it a little bit, but it's actually, I think, a really great idea for a holiday. I mean, not like a day that we all get off, they close the schools and courthouse and all that stuff, but a day for recognition. It actually uh, was started by students at... A Alto, A, I don't know how to pronounce this. I think it's uh, it's from it's University in Finland. A A L T O, is it A Alto, or is it just Alto? Whatever. There were college kids in Finland, and apparently, in Finland, uh, they have a culture where failure is not quote the norm. It's not. It's not cool. Right, it's not like. Well, I mean, I mean, not that it's. I mean, I don't know any society or culture that actually celebrates failure. Like, woo, go out and fail us one. You know, I, I'm not sure that's the case. But failure is really a vital part of growth and, particularly, entrepreneurship. Right, the freedom to fail, because the the other side of that coin is the freedom to succeed, and you learn so much. In the failures, not to say you don't learn things in success. You do when you, you know, you, you do things well and like, oh, this is working. Keep doing that. But there are, are a lot of failures that occur where you get valuable pieces of information about whatever, especially in, in business, starting your own business. Right. And so in Finland, this is not their culture. And so this was started as an effort among university students in order to kind of you know, encourage people to take risks. This is, it's foreign sounding to us. I mean, yes, because it's Finland, but also it's, it's just an idea that is so bizarre to me 
that you would have to kind of encourage people to take a risk, open your own business, put yourself out there. I mean, so a part of American uh, psychology is this risk-taking mindset that this is, it's almost incomprehensible that you would have college kids launch an international, it started as a national day, uh, it's just an event, actually, and then it kind of grew into this thing over, I think they first did it, um, yeah, first day of failure celebration, that was in 2010, and then uh, they go online two years later, they create a Facebook page, and uh, then they expand the initiative in uh, 2014, it it goes uh, uh, international, so it, it took time. They built it. So it wasn't guaranteed success. The fear of failing and the stigma that may follow discourage many potential Finnish entrepreneurs from venturing. Hence the idea of creating a day to celebrate failure, which they believed would in turn remove the phobia for taking risks and invariably increase the number of startups. The first holiday celebrated in 2010 And by the time a second event was held, it had already begun to gain huge media coverage and support from influential Finnish people and companies, Um, which is kind of weird, but maybe not, I guess. Maybe with a name like the Finnish, they expect to complete everything that they attempt. Maybe that's part of the phobia. All right, the group of students had organized an expansion of the event to celebrate the Finland Day of Failure to 17 other countries, They got support from Nokia, the chair of the board of directors, as well as the creator of uh, that drug app, Angry Birds. That guy, whoever made that thing, Peter Vesterbaka. The events are held around the world celebrating the day to serve as platforms for popular Finnish personalities. Really? Like popular Finnish personalities? If I didn't just name one. The guy who created Angry Birds, Peter Peter Vesterbaka. Yes, you know, the well-known Angry Birds creator, Peter Vesterbaka. Or Jorma Olila. Old Jorma. What's Jorma up to nowadays? Well, he's the chair of Nokia. Actually, I don't know if Jorma is a guy or a girl. I apologize if I am misgendering the chair of the board of directors for Nokia. Um, and the idea around the day is to spread the argument that making mistakes and failing is normal and is even an invaluable part of a person's growth and eventual success. And this is so true. This is why I'm bringing this up because throughout the day today, if you've got a a, a tale of failure, I would love to hear it. Seriously. I will tell you, like, I've got a story of failure, a couple of them, um, in my own life, but here's the thing you learn from the failures. So even the stories of failure, right, it tells you something about the person. This is one of the things I noticed when I would ever, uh, whenever I would talk to people that were like really successful in business or in life in general or whatever, they're really successful, particularly business people that have built large empires, right, businesses that are, are huge. They would talk about the obstacles they had to overcome at the very beginning like the startup days or the days that they they always sort of look back to it's like the most amount of fun they got no sleep they were broke they were you know they were burning at both ends and uh it was the it was the most exciting time exhilarating time and fun time and 
because it was the unknown, right? You were taking this risk and you were, and I can tell you, I, I, I have done that. It is, it's terrifying and it's invigorating. And there's like a, I, I describe it as a switch that gets flipped in your brain. And once, once you see that, once you feel it, once you live in that for a little while, you can never not know it again. You know, it's always there. There's always this part of your brain that's now activated. I'm not kidding. Uh, this, uh, uh, this is as best I can describe it. And you know me, I'm a professional communicator. So hopefully, like I'm doing a decent job of that. But if not, today would be the day to fail at it. Today would be the day. News Talk 11, 1099.3 WBT, International Day for Failure. It's today. And uh, so, uh, here you go. Uh, for example, in my own personal life, uh, failure. I uh, I did well academically for uh, for the most part for most of my um, uh, for most of my academic career. Uh, but I would always get in trouble for uh, the behavioral things. Uh, the most common. Uh, through line in all of my report cards was speaks at inappropriate times and uh, is disruptive in class. See? And so this was obviously like I got in trouble. My mom would make me write letters of apology to all of the teachers. How dare you, you know, disrupt their classes and all of this. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was uh, every single report card, every quarter, for most of my K-12 academic life, I was getting those types of uh, report cards. I was getting uh, that kind of punishment. I have to write the letter of apology again and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of failure, right? But look at how I've grown from that failure, right? Now, I i mean, the, the fact that I had to write the same letter over and over and over again came in very handy as a reporter, you know, writing the same, you know, out uh, cues and covering the same stories and stuff, but also being disruptive. I turned it into a career, speaking at inappropriate times. So I really, I turned it around. That failure for so many years, I actually monetized. Um, but, uh, well, I mean, yes, okay. But I did learn to speak at the appropriate time. So I, I did have to make some course corrections because you got to hit the posts, right? You got to get out on time. You got to throw to commercial break. So you got to have some structure here in this biz. Um, but in seriousness, th- this was one of the, um, one of my failures, which I thought was my failure was when I sat in this chair uh, over a decade ago. So I was a reporter for like nine years. I want to say, I, f- I don't know, remember the exact dates, but it was almost like 10 years. I was a reporter in the WBT newsroom. Uh, and then I started doing some fill in work for the various hosts uh, on WBT, when uh, Tara Servatius went out on maternity leave, I filled in for her. I would fill in for John Hancock, uh, and then when um, they moved Tara, I forget who was in the three to six slot. It may have been Jeff Katz, who's now up in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and I think when she they moved her out of the the nine p.m. to midnight slot and gave her the afternoon shift. I think is when this happened, and then I start yeah because then. Hancock was on, and then I would come in, and I would, the studio handoff, 
And Hancock taught me, you know, how to properly hand off a studio, which I properly hand off to Brett Winterbull every day. Um, and so I did that uh, that evening talk show for like two years, and I had, uh, had a contract. It was like a two-year contract with an option for a third year, something like that, and uh, they did not renew my contract in 2011. And, uh, and so I was out, and uh, it felt like I was the biggest failure because I was unable to, to hack it. And by the way, you get a lot of people that are uh, telling you that very thing on social media. They are more than happy. People you haven't heard from in years that really, really hate you, oh, yeah, they come out of the woodwork. Christie's already prepared for what's going to happen like when I die, right? You're, all the people that hate me will come out and say the most vicious things and try to wound her and my family and friends uh, because you, you're not going to hurt me at that point, right? I'm dead. So it's to hurt everybody else. That, and, and, and there are people that are motivated to do that. I am not one of those people, but there are people like that. And um, they came out to reinforce this idea of failure. Um, and look, there aren't a lot of these jobs in uh, in America. And, the, and at the time, in 2011, uh, you know, there weren't a lot of radio stations that were doing news talk and fewer and fewer hosts out there. And so... Uh, I I went to work for News 14. I went to television because I didn't want to be I didn't want to be a guy that dragged his family all over the country chasing, you know, this this radio gig. I didn't want to do that. So I do the News 14 gig. And right before I went to work for them, I had done a couple of fill in shifts in Asheville and uh, for a guy who was doing fill in for me down in Charlotte. Well, he quits his job up there. I then get a call out of the blue, hey, do you want to get back into radio? You should apply for this job. And so I did. And um, and that's where I went to Asheville for uh, nine years. I was up there. And by the way, I knew it was a bankrupt company when I went to work for them. And I always anticipated it was only going to be a short-term thing, but it lasted nine years. And uh, Christy then uh, uh, finally, she had a good job. We were We were living in basically both cities. And then she moved up to Asheville, and uh, within six months, I got fired again. <laughs> and then I did a podcast, very successful podcast, and that's how I ended up here. So if I looked at but it was a whole different mindset the last time I got let go because I knew that, as I said at the time, you know, when, when God closes a door, you just got to look around for the windows because there's usually a window. Just be patient, relax. Wait for the breeze. When you feel the breeze, go towards that. Also, you know, when 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 the doors close on you, you could just like you could just open it again because they're doors. Like that's how they work. <laughs> International Day for Failure. It's a theme today. So, by the way, if you have a story of failure you would like to share. Feel free to give a call, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, because it happens all the time. Failure happens all the time, so uh, it doesn't make sense to dwell on it and beat yourself up over it. You, the, the point is to learn why something didn't work and then adjust, right? Adapt and overcome, so to speak. And uh, the whole point for the International Day for Failure, as it was uh, envisioned by the students in Finland, was their society 
has a pretty big stigma attached to failure. And you don't have to look at it as something to be ashamed of. That you tried and didn't succeed isn't the shame. It's the lack of trying in the first place, right? I mean, RFK said only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly, right? It's risk and reward. It's, you know, you're going to do something great. Yes, you could you could fail at this great effort or you could, you know, totally remake an entire industry. You could change society and culture or someone's life, you know, and not even know it. So dare to fail at something. Do something you're afraid of. Also, uh, some of the other ways that they recommend you observe International Day for Failure is you learn about the personal setbacks of people that you admire. This, you know, we've all heard the stories about uh, what uh, uh, Colonel Sanders, right, turned down for the patent for his chicken, you know, like a, a thousand times or whatever. Same thing like Lincoln. And I mean, everybody, every successful person has had setbacks. It's how you deal with it and how you overcome it. And, um, you can learn from other people's failures as well. And that's empowering. This way, you don't have to make the mistake that they made. And by the way, a lot of times people are more than happy to let you know about their mistake. For example, on this International Day for Failure, I got this story sent to me uh, from a listener named Hans, who is from Belgium. And uh, it's from uh, some, some Belgian website. Front News. N-I-E-U-W-S, news. So it, it's like spelled the same way it sounds. That's so wild. Anyway, Belgium, uh, European photovoltaic plants and battery cell manufacturing facilities are closing temporarily or shutting down altogether due to high electricity prices. Solar panel, yeah, solar panel manufacturers are closing in Europe because they can't afford to keep the lights on. It, yeah, that deserves one of those. Sure, why not? It's <laughs> <they're> re- <laughs> Europeans are reduced to installers while panel production shifts to where? China and its coal-fired economy. Yeah, because electricity is so much cheaper there. Most of the wind turbine industry has already moved to China as well. About 35 gigawatts of uh, the solar panel projects in Europe are at risk of shutdown as increased power prices hurt the continent's efforts to build a solar supply chain, according to Ristad Energy reports. The consultancy notes that the energy-intensive nature of both solar photovoltaic plants, PV, uh, and battery cell manufacturing processes are causing some operators to temporarily close or give up their manufacturing facilities as the cost of doing business escalates. So they have made electricity so expensive now in Europe that the manufacturing facilities that are supposed to be cranking out the solar panels that are supposed to make electricity so much cheaper and affordable and green for everybody that they can't manufacture the panels anymore. So they got to manufacture them over in China, which is powered by coal and then shipped back to Europe to install in order to generate electricity, which is apparently not enough to run the plants.
Do they still call this stuff renewable? I don't think that's renewable, right? This isn't a renewable. You're running at a loss, are you not? By the way, Hans also told me that uh, in his native country of Belgium, they've been uh, handing out uh, government subsidies for the solar. And so many people took advantage of them. Look, and I I got solar panels on my roof as well. Um, It's a prepper play, but still, I got the solar panels. And GovCo is going to give me money back. I will take it. Absolutely. My money. Give it back. Now tax. So anyway, so the the, uh, solar panel uh, buyers put the panels up and then they got the discounts. They got the tax rebates. Right. And now they're cranking out their own power. So they're using less electricity from the grid, from the power producers, from the electric companies. Right. So what happens? Well, the electric companies now. They're not making enough money. They they need more money. And so the government turns around and is now not only did they get rid of the rebates and the refunds and the, the, the tax credits and stuff, the bennies. They cut the bennies for the solar panel purchasers. So people who were sold this idea, hey, go on out, get a panel, and you'll get some tax money back and you'll get some discounted electric, uh, electricity, they now have lost the subsidy, they lost the, the rebate. Oh, and government turned around and taxed them. Slapped an additional tax on them because <laughs> they need more money to fund the electric companies because people have their own energy. So what So what has happened? What's the end result? People came out of pocket, bought solar panels, And now they're being charged the same amount of money, if not more, for having solar panels and not even relying on the electric grid, which now they have to subsidize. So now, so they've inverted the subsidy. That's all that they've done. So there you go. There's a, there's a story for this international day of failure. Oh, I also have, uh, oh yeah, I got some, uh, I got an update here on the Lincoln project on this international day for failure. Oh yeah. You're going to want to hear this. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. International Day for Failures. In a related story, Steve Schmidt from the Lincoln Project. I got two stories, real. Um, you know Steve Schmidt. He's the bald guy that ran John McCain's Mavericky campaign back in the day. And then uh, helped start up the Lincoln Project. So, uh, Lincoln Project got, has gotten a lot of coverage from the left uh, I view it as uh, either, in best case scenario, it's a it's a group of people whose brains have all been broken by Donald Trump beyond repair. They were probably broken before, but Trump sort of just teased out the the shards of uh, brokenness. Well, uh, or it's just a grift, and that could be it too. They they just know that there is a lot of money sloshing around out there for them to uh, to to hoover up. There's a lot of money to be made in bashing Trump because a lot of mainstream outlets need talking heads to come on and say, you know, borderline crazy things. And Lincoln Project will do that. They're your huckleberries. And so and then they 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 take up a lot of uh, uh, money. They make ads that really don't move the needle um, because they're the ads are targeting people and they're the way they. The way they speak to their audience, 
they're already preaching to the converted. They're not actually moving the needle when it comes to persuadable voters. So, uh, and by the way, uh, one of the founders, a guy named Rick Wilson, I've actually interviewed him before. He has a, a, a home in the mountains in western North Carolina. Uh, so he has a connection here. Rick Wilson does. Uh, and these guys were longtime Republican operatives, media people, consultants and such. And their success at the Lincoln Project should be a pretty good indication of, of why they were so uh, successful in uh, the Republican Party elections. Anyway, Steve Schmidt, the co-founder of the Lincoln Project, which to me this seems kind of newsworthy when you've been relying on the Lincoln Project people to be, uh, you know, your, your talking head uh, quote makers. He went on to the Twitter machine last night after watching, apparently Showtime, I'm going to have to go watch this, uh, has a documentary about the Lincoln Project. They apparently hung out with the Lincoln Project for a while, uh, and now they've put out a documentary. And Steve Schmidt torched his former colleagues there. He said the Lincoln Project should either be professionalized and reformed or shut down. I founded it. I left it a year ago. The Showtime documentary documents some of the most despicable and unethical behavior I have ever seen. I would like to see the following things happen. Reed Galen must step down from the board because his lie and cover-up destroyed the organization as much as some of these other people did, and uh, with their frame, with their fame-seeking and narcissism. The Galen lie, I think this was about the uh, John Weaver, one of the founders, I think this is what he's talking about, <clears throat> that... Um, that he had, yeah, that he had made these unwanted advances and had uh, engaged in Me Tooism with uh, a young male intern, something like that, right? And so apparently uh, Galen lied about that. I think this is at the heart of the matter. Um, there's only one place in America where such conduct is acceptable, and that's Mar-a-Lago, home of MAGA. And so he's he's going after. I mean, think about this. He's going after the Lincoln Project for being. The same as Trump world, which is what Lincoln Project was supposedly set up to take out, right? To fight against Trumpism and Donald Trump. And and here you have a founder saying you guys are the same. Project Lincoln, board of directors that follows best practices and standards, highest ethical standards. They need to professionalize all of this. Um, he says, I wouldn't give a penny while Reed Galen is in charge. I want to say, I mean, this is, he's accusing these guys of being unethical grifters, right? Now, I just, for the record here, need to point out, like, I don't, I don't trust Steve Schmidt as far as you can throw him. Uh, and uh, I don't think you can throw him very far. He's, he's kind of large. But, um, yeah, I, I don't trust him. But I, I can't see what he says regularly because the guy blocked me like a year ago on Twitter. So I, I can't. No, I mean, I took a okay. I took a shot at it. Maybe it was a bit of a cheap shot, maybe, but sometimes I take them. Um, he says there needs to be an independent CFO, a financial oversight board, quarterly public financial reports, salary caps for everybody. He says uh, I wanted to operate at the highest ethical standards. The reason I left was because I gave them an ultimatum. It was either Reed Galen or me. Galen had appointed himself chair of the board and controlled all the bank accounts. Um, that I told him to open. I wanted to beat Trump. He wanted to be famous and important. 
There is a shocking and delusional scene at the end of the documentary on Showtime where Galen says he is the leader of a movement of millions. That makes him as deluded as Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, look, maybe what Reed Galen meant by uh, the leader of a movement of millions, he was talking about the movement of millions of dollars to his accounts. Maybe that's what he was talking about. You don't know. He says Rick Wilson is a brilliant ad maker, but should never have any leadership or management responsibilities in the organizations. (laughs) Which is true. It is very true.